You are listening to the Awaken Natchitoches podcast. Awaken Church is a diverse community of authentic love and hope where you can belong as you change and change as you follow Jesus. We receive letters all the time, right? Well, we probably used to. We don't receive letters as much as we used to, but maybe you receive emails or text messages. And imagine getting a letter uh, from God or, or a text or an email. Like, what would Jesus say if he if he sent you a letter or sent you a text message? What would he have to say to you? Well, we're continuing our Revelation series, and this, and, and today we're looking at letters to seven churches. So we're calling this Seven Letters Today, Revelations uh, chapters two and three, which we'll jump into in just a minute, um, but but we're we're remembering that this is about living in the apocalypse, and the apocalypse means um, not necessarily into the world, but revealed, like full disclosure. And the revelation letter in, in the New Testament of the Bible is to give full disclosure of God's plan, and God's plan is Jesus. And that is God's plan for us and, and for us to not only just receive that, but to share that as well. So we're going to keep in mind the overall theme of Revelation. Jesus is the subject. Jesus is Lord. He's reigning now as King of Kings, and Jesus is coming back. Questions about that? Revelation chapter 1. Listen to last week's sermon, and uh, it'll bring you up to, to this idea that we're this, the underlying theme of Revelation. Jesus is reigning now as the king of kings now reigning and jesus is going to come back so as john writes these words from jesus to the churches um, seven specific churches the context is that many of the practices associated with the old covenant uh, a lot of the old practices associated with the torah and a lot of the teachings that were based on the torah uh, are being done away with for the followers of jesus and 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 since this is happening a very real judgment of God is coming upon Israel. This has everything to do with their specific situation. Now, seven letters, because there's seven churches, and the number seven is highly symbolic. It means it represents a wholeness or completeness. So this is an ancient letter to seven specific churches about some specific details. But it's but put it all together, and it, and it's a message to the whole church. It's a message of completeness for us because the church is people, not a place. So this is for us, not just seven ancient congregations of Jesus' church, but to us. And here's the big idea. God loves you just as you are and loves you too much to leave you that way. If you receive a letter from God, which you actually have, if you would take this this thing we call the Bible, which is a, a library, the Bible is a collection of letters and books and and poetry and history and legend and and and, uh, and prophecy and it's actually you could see this as God has written us a letter He has sent us a huge text message already we just have to choose to read it and this is the under this is the message to the of the whole thing here's the big idea to the whole message God loves you just the way you are and loves you too much to leave you that way. So let's start. We're going to look at seven churches as we go through Revelations chapter 2 and 3 today. A little bit different than usually that we that we do. I usually like read the, the passage and then we kind of come back to it. We're just going to read about each church at a time and focus on that. And so buckle in and let's do it. The first church is Ephesus. And the message to the church at Ephesus is return to your first love. Let's read Revelation chapter 2 beginning of verse 1. 
Write this letter to the angel, or the messenger, of the church in Ephesus. This is the message from the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven gold lampstands. I know all the things you do. I have seen your hard work and patient endurance. I know you don't tolerate evil people. You have examined the claims of those who say they are apostles but are not. You have discovered they are liars. You, are, you have patiently suffered for me without quitting. But I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Look how far you have fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. If you don't repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. But this is in your favor. You hate the evil deeds of the Nicolaitans, just as I do. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand that he is say, what he is saying to the churches. To everyone who is victorious, I will give fruit from the tree of life in the paradise of God. So John's home church is Ephesus. So it makes sense that we the message begins here. And we know quite a bit about the church at Ephesus when we look at the letters in the New Testament that Paul wrote, Ephesians, definitely, 1st and 2nd Timothy, as well if we would look at Acts chapter 20, uh, you'll find a lot of information there about this church at Ephesus. Jesus commended these Ephesians through John, who wrote this letter of Revelation. He commended them for their hard work, but he says, you've lost your first love. They, they used to be heroes of the faith, faith, but not anymore. See, Jesus, Jesus is saying, hey, this is a problem, you guys. This highlights that the reason we do what we do is as important as what we do. 1 Corinthians 13.3 says, if, if I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it, but if I didn't love others, I would be of no value whatsoever. So the reason why we do what we do is is import, as important as what we do. Now, if there is no love in the church for Christ, and there is no reason for that church to exist, therefore Jesus says he will remove their lampstand. Lampstand represents their witness, their, their, their representation. And when love is not the light which shines forth, the church ceases to be the church. So, verse 7, God promises that if we return his passionate love and remain faithful to him, we will live forever in paradise. So, there's the promise that comes there. Now, the next church is at Smyrna. And it's uh, the message to this church is be overcomers. Be overcomers. Revelation 2, again, beginning in verse 8, says, Write this letter to the angel of the church at Smyrna. This is the message from the one who is the first and the last, who is dead but is now alive. I know about your suffering and your poverty, but you are rich. I know the blasphemy of those opposing you. They say they are Jews, but they are not, because their synagogue belongs to Satan. Don't be afraid of what you are about to suffer. The devil will throw some of you into prison to test you. You will suffer for ten days, but if you remain faithful, even when facing death, I will give you the crown of life. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. Whoever is victorious will not be harmed by the second death. Okay, so at Smyrna, he says, be overcomers. And the church at Smyrna was experiencing great persecution, history shows, and, and, and were feeling inadequate due to lack of resources that they had. And Jesus says, you're rich because of the persecution and the lack of resources because they have caused you to depend completely on God. This persecution and the lack of resources have caused you to depend completely on God. See, 
This is a letter to the underdogs, and God knows our problems. So if you feel like, man, I'm, I'm always the underdog, this is for you. <laughs> 2 Timothy 3.12 says, Yes, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. We have to persevere. Perseverance is key. Now, Jesus promises victory to those who overcome persecution and oppression. He promises victory. He says he will give the fruit of the tree of life and not be harmed by the second death. Now, the second death is is a reference to eternal separation from God. That's what second death uh, alludes to here. So the reward for overcoming and depending on God alone is eternal life. An unfortunate reality for the church today is that much of the persecution and oppression that we see of Christians comes from other church members. And that's, that's something that, that Jesus would say to us, that's got to stop. Be overcomers. Next up is the church at Pergamum. And the message to the church at Pergamum is have no varying loyalty. Have no varying loyalty. Look at verse 12 of chapter 2. Write this letter to the angel of the church at Pergamum. This is the message from the one who has the sharp two-edged sword. Talking about from his tongue from chapter 1, from his mouth. I know that you live in the city where Satan has his throne. That doesn't sound like a good place to live, does it? Yeah, you are remained loyal to me. You've refused to deny me when Antipas, my faithful... My faithful witness was martyred among you there in Satan's city. But man, Pergamum is being called Satan's city. How about that? But I have a few complaints against you. You tolerate some among you whose teaching is like that of Balaam. Again, Old Testament, who, who, who showed Balak how to trip up the people of Israel. He taught them to sin by eating food offered to idols and by committing sexual sin. In a similar way, you have some Nicolaitans among you who follow the same teaching. Repent of your sin, or I will come to you suddenly and fight against you with the sword of my mouth. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. To everyone who is victorious, I will give some of the manna that has been hidden away in heaven. And I will give to each one a white stone, and on the stone will be engraved the new name that no one understands except the one who receives it. you got to work on this loyalty thing. You have to have no varying loyalty. Jesus says, okay, I know you're located in a difficult area. It's Satan's throne, right? This is where Satan's city is, where Satan has his, his throne. Uh, not not a, a great place to live, if you ask me. Pergamum. Now, it's, it's an out-of-the-way place. But it had a surprising amount of cultural influence. Apparently, one of the believers here had been killed, had been martyred. So he's killed in some horrific way. That's part of this letter. And, and the church had begun to make some compromises just to get along. We don't, want, we don't want that to happen, so we'll make some compromises. And Jesus understands how difficult it is to stay true when everyone else is doing wrong. Specifically, some people in the church were endorsing idol worship and sexual immorality. He's very, he's very specific about some of this. And this goes beyond, now when we talk about this, it's beyond respecting different beliefs to embracing them. See, there's a difference between respecting different beliefs and embracing them. In essence, the problem is taking what we like from from this religion and this philosophy and and coming up with our own religion, and then we we mistakenly think God should be okay with that. 
it's a false doctrine. And, and another false doctrine is mentioned here. It's of the Nicolaitans. And that, that's, a, that's, a, that's a word that we'll hear a couple of times in Revelation. And there's not a lot of info that we have historically to understand the Nicolaitans, except for um, it says here they're practicing some of these idol worship and sexual immorality. But the, but the name itself gives us a, a, a hint or, or actually shows us um, some of the things that they believe. Because Nicolaitans li- literally means over-ordinary. Like we're overly ordinary. We have a, we have, we're better than you. <laughs> You're the ordinary ones. We're better than ordinary. We're over that. We're, we're, we're above ordinary. And, and a doctrine of the Nicolaitans that there was like this priestly class of believers who were lording it over ordinary believers. Kind of like you would, you would say uh, the boss of the church. And Jesus says he hates this doctrine, saying that he will he will fight them with a sword of his mouth. In, in other words, his word of truth. He's like, the, my weapon will be this my word of truth. That's that's what the sword of the mouth means. But but to those who repent and turn to him, Jesus says he will give manna hidden in heaven and a white stone with a new name. Manna symbolizes the bread of eternal life. Again, an Old Testament reference you may be familiar with. And the stone, this white stone, it symbolizes entrance into the eternal kingdom to eat that bread. Manna is the eternal bread of life, and the stone symbolizes entrance into the eternal kingdom so you can eat that bread of life. Now, Thyatira is the next uh, church or the next congregation. And the message to Thyatira is live with holy ethics. Live with holy ethics. Picking up in verse 18. Write this letter to the angel at the church of Thyatira. This is the message from the Son of God, whose eyes are like flames of fire, whose feet are like polished bronze. I know all the things you do. I have seen your love, your faith, your service, and your patient endurance, perseverance. And I can see your constant improvement in all these things. But I have this complaint against you. You are permitting that woman, that that Jezebel, who calls herself a prophet, to lead my servants astray. She teaches them to commit sexual sin and to eat food offered to idols. I gave her time to repent, but she does not want to turn away from her immorality. Therefore, I will throw her on a bed of suffering, and those who commit adultery with her will suffer greatly unless they repent and turn away from their evil deeds. I will strike her children dead. Then all the churches will know that I am the one who searches out the thoughts and intentions of every person, and I will give to each of you whatever you deserve. But I also have a message for the rest of you in Thyatira, who have not followed this false teaching." deeper truths as they called deep depths of satan actually i will ask you nothing i will ask nothing more of you except that you hold tightly to what you have until i come to all who are victorious who obey me to the very end to them i will give authority over all the nations they will rule the nations with an iron rod and smash them like clay pots they will have the same authority i received from my father and i will give them the morning star Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he says to the churches. All right. So, Thyatira's got a lot going on, right? Live with holy ethics is the message. Thyatira was a church that seemed to be growing in spiritual matters, while at the same time overly tolerant of sin and leadership. And Jesus Jesus commended them for their good works. He's like, man, your, 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 your good works are good. They're so good. But he condemned them for tolerating the sexual immorality. 
The name Jezebel is used here. It's symbolic. It refers to this Old Testament queen who, who, who brought idol worship to Israel and sought to destroy God's prophets. However, the language has all the indications of speaking about a real person and a real situation in the church of Thyatira. There was this woman, a leader, this woman in leadership, this, 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 this lady who was a teacher, which was, which was and is okay. It's just what she was teaching was not okay. This is not a case of giving someone a time to grow in their faith, which we're all about, right? We, when somebody doesn't, you know, you don't have to believe exactly like we do to belong. That's our, kind of one of our things. That's not what this was talking about. This is, this is an ongoing, uh, you know, this is not an ongoing relationship of confession and repentance. Actually, in verse 21, Jesus says, I gave her time to repent, but she does not want to turn from her immorality. This person is obviously a leader. This person is a teacher, Matthew 18.6, Jesus says, If anyone causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him or her to have a large millstone hung around her neck, his neck or her neck and be drowned in the depths of the sea. God is not happy when we tolerate wickedness. I'm not talking about being uh, mindful of other people's beliefs. This is wickedness in the teachings, the teachers of his church. We may want to go easy on them, but the, but the church of Thyatira, God says, he's going to lower the boom. Jesus' clear message is he will not tolerate sin in his church. Sometimes we forget that. While God is, is absolutely full of grace, he remains absolutely just. When we remain faithful to Christ, we will receive his authority. That's the good news here. When we remain faithful to Christ, we will receive his authority. Notice Jesus says to those who are persecuted and oppressed for their, for their holiness that they will rule with him. Matthew 5.10, in the, in the Beatitudes of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Not about a some day, sometime kingdom to be set up, but the right here, right now reality, we are a kingdom of priests. Revelation chapter 1, go back and read that. Next is the uh, the church at Sardis. And the message to the, the church at Sardis is, Be godly. That's a good message for all of us. Be godly. Revelation 3, we pick up now about the church at Sardis. Write this letter to the angel, our messenger, of the church in Sardis. This is the message from the one who has the sevenfold spirit of God and the seven stars. I know all the things you do. And that you have a reputation for being alive. But you're dead. Wake up! Strengthen what little remains, for even what is left is almost dead. I find that your actions do not meet the requirements of my God. Go back to what you heard and believed at first. Hold to it firmly. Repent and turn to me. If you don't wake up, I will come to you suddenly as unexpected as a thief. Yet... There are some in the church in Sardis who have not sold their clothes with evil. They will walk with me in white, for they're worthy. All who are victorious will be clothed in white. I will never erase their names in the book of life. I will announce before my Father and his angels what, that, that they are mine. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he's saying to the churches. And he's saying, be godly. Now, Sardis is a, is a church with, with, I guess, sleepy Christians. <laughs> and I don't mean they kind of, uh, every once in a while, they doze off and, and, and they, you know, they kind of like uh, are, are, are sleeping in church and taking a nap. And kind of like my brother when we were teenagers and, you know, I'm a couple of years older than him. And, you know, I'm like 15. He's like 13. And, and uh, he, he dozes off in church. And I kind of, you know, nudge him because my, you know, in our church, 
but dad would where we lived at the time my dad would call on anybody he would often call on us to hey, hey close in prayer say the prayer you know, and, I, and, I, and, I, and that's my brother Aaron and I said dad wants dad said he wants you to pray and he stood up and then as soon as he stood up he realized nobody else was standing up for prayer and so yeah I got in trouble for that but Jesus says you have a reputation for being alive but you're dead and he says you're asleep and he says you got to wake up he's saying your your reputation is you're alive but you're not now 700 years prior to this time Sardis had been one of the greatest cities in the world this was the the home of King Croesus who he invented coins and, and and he was extremely wealthy obviously he invented coins he's going to be extremely wealthy and it was this and 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 uh Sardis had been extremely wealthy it was the, and, and King Croesus was the stuff of myths and legends but the city had fallen to the Persian Empire and since that time had deteriorated. So Jesus' words are a play on history, which we're going to find all through Revelation, a play on history. Sardis was a, a city with legendary wealth, yet in reality, it was now in decay. And Jesus says to the church, you're exactly like this. You're exactly like the city that you, you're in. Jesus says, wake up, awaken, O sleeper, rise up from the dead. And Christ will give you life. See, a reputation for, for being alive means nothing if you're dead on the inside. The problem in Sardis is that it's what we call hypocrites. A hypocrite is it's a Greek the, theatrical term that, that which meant that an actor who played to at least two parts. And so they would have to wear a mask. Literally, hypocrite means two faces. Literally. And literally, they were being two-faced. And Jesus says, wake up and stop being hypocrites. And in this case, wake up means pursue God's word and follow it. Wake up, pursue God's word and follow it. Jesus commends that some of them have not soiled their garments. Now, that's an interesting phrase. And the phrase generally is related to sexual immorality. To soil your garments is related to sexual immorality. And we're finding that this was a common problem in the churches, right? We see it mentioned several times already because it's such a big part of the culture around them. Jesus wants to be, us to be less like the culture around us and more like him. Jesus promises that those who have not defiled their garments will be clothed in white. Translation, stay true and be made righteous. That's what he's, he says to us, be godly. Now to the church at Philadelphia, he says, uh, own your faith. Own your faith. Hang on to your faith. Live in your faith. Let your faith occupy you. Own it. Revelation 3, beginning of verse 7. Write this letter to the angel and the church of Philadelphia. This is the message from the one who is holy and true, the one who has the key of David. What he opens, no one can close. What he closes, no one can open. I know all the things you do, and I have opened a door for you that no one can close. You have little strength, yet you have obeyed my word and did not deny me. Look, I will force those who belong to Satan's synagogue, those liars who say they are Jews but are not, to come and bow down at your feet. They will acknowledge that you are the ones I love, because you have obeyed my command to persevere. I will protect you from the great time of testing that will come upon the whole world to test those who belong to this world. I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have, so that no one will take away your crown. All who are victorious will become pillars in the temple of my God, and they will never have to leave it. And I will write on them the name of my God, and they will be citizens in the city of my God, the new Jerusalem that comes down from heaven from my God, and I will also write on them my new name. 
Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. Philadelphia, church, own your faith. Philadelphia was a church that, that was weak, but it was hanging on. Jesus doesn't say that he has necessarily any complaint with this church, as he has with the others, but he addresses that they're weak. And the Christians have, have, they have they've paid a price for their faith. They're battered and they're bruised, literally and figuratively. They're battered and they're bruised. And God understands that spiritual battle makes us spiritually tired. Yet, Jesus commends those with little strength for their big faith. To this church, Jesus refers to himself as the one who holds the key of David. So Jesus affirms, again, he is the Messiah. That's what this means. I am the one who holds the key of David. He is affirming it. He is the Messiah. Now, this teaching that, that Jesus is the Messiah was what was causing great persecution from Jewish religious leaders. The synagogue of Satan was a local Jewish synagogue or house of worship that, was, that, that were persecuting Christians there. Jesus says to those with, with little strength but great faith that he will protect them from the time of testing or tribulation that is to come. Now, if this were about some great tribulation that's to take place some 2,000 or more years later after this was written, saying, I'll keep you from it would, would be absurd. This is the reference to the time leading up to the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD. He's, he's speaking historically about what is happening at the, in the in their in the world in the empire in their community at this time, yes, it says the time of testing is coming upon the world and and the and the word translated here and we we have to remember originally this was all written in Greek and the world translated as world here is oikumene and in when in the New Testament it's used to refer to the 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 Roman Empire this word world doesn't mean the cosmos oikumene means the, it's the empire. And he says there is uh, a great testing coming upon the world, the, the, the known world, the known empire. Here's the promise to those who keep hanging on, those who endure even with a little strength, but with big faith and a big God, you will become pillars in the temple of God and you will never have to leave it. Jesus is not speaking of the brick and mortar temple building, but his eternal kingdom. This is the new city of God, not a brick and mortar, but the new Jerusalem that comes down from heaven. This is a, the, this new Jerusalem. It's the spiritual kingdom of God arriving. But the, by, by the way, much of this <coughs> understanding about this idea of the new Jerusalem coming down from heaven, it's key to understanding the rest of Revelation. This is about the spiritual kingdom of God, where we are, Jesus is right now reigning as king, and we are right now a kingdom of priests. And then the seventh letter to the seventh church is Laodicea. And the message is depend on God. At Laodicea, depend on God. Verse 14, write this letter, to the angel of the church at Laodicea. This is the message from the one who is the Amen, the final and true witness, the beginning of God's new creation. I know all the things you do, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other. But since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. You say, I'm rich. I have everything I want. I don't need a thing. But you don't realize that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. So advise you to buy gold from me, gold that has been purified by fire. Then you will be rich. 
also buy white garments from me, so you will not be ashamed by your nakedness. An ointment for your eyes, so you will be able to see. I correct and discipline everyone I love, so be diligent and turn from your indifference. Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and I will share a meal together as friends. Those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat with my father on his throne. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and and understand what he is saying to the churches. Depend on God. Laodicea is that, that, that lukewarm church you may have heard about. <laughs> you, you, you know, of, I think of all these churches, that's like the, the only one I've really heard like sermons on. Don't be lukewarm. So in, in, in 62 AD, which is not too long before the Revelation letter was written, Laodicea experienced a major earthquake. The city had, was so wealthy that history shows that within a couple of years, the people had rebuilt and restored the prosperity of the city, refusing the aid from the Roman Empire. They're like, no, we're, we got it. We, we've got this. Now, the general attitude of the Laodicean citizen was, we don't need anybody else. We've got this. We have everything we need. Laodicea was famous for four things, and Jesus speaks in a clearly culturally reverent a relevant way to speak to this church. Laodicea is famous for lukewarm water. The archaeology shows that Laodicea had no good water source of its own. They had aqueducts built to pipe in water, hot springs from nearby Heropolis, and cold water, cold spring water that was that was piped in from nearby Colossae. Both would be useful, but by the time the cold water gets there, it's lukewarm. By the time the hot water gets there, it's lukewarm. Useful? He says the, the idea is no. Hot is useful. Cold is useful. Lukewarm is not useful. And Laodicea was famous for having lukewarm water. Laodicea was also famous for production of eye ointment. And Jesus says, you're blind and you need me to help you see clearly. See, he's, he's, he's talking about things that they know and they understand. Laodicea was famous for the production of beautiful clothes. Jesus says, you need to buy white garments from me. You need my beauty and purity to clothe you, or else you're, you're simply just naked. And Laodicea was famous for, for its wealth. And Jesus says, buy gold from me, gold that has been purified by fire. It's far more beneficial to be spiritually wealthy than materially wealthy. And Jesus says, you may be materially wealthy, but that does not matter if you're spiritually bankrupt. Ultimately, What Jesus says to this church is, trust in God. There is a God, and you're not Him. When we invite Jesus in, we begin a new life. And if we endure and are victorious, we will have a throne with Jesus, a full share in God's kingdom of love. And none of of God's blessings come to those who go halfway. We either open the door to Jesus or we miss out completely. The underlying and unifying message to the seven churches and to the church today as a whole is God loves you just as you are and loves you too much to leave you that way. So what is your next step? What what do you take away from this and take a, a step, a next step? Here's what I would challenge you to do. Write down something in, in the spirit of, of God writing a letter, Jesus writing you a letter, write down something or or a short list that you believe Jesus is leading you to change in your own life. Not something that you want to change, not something that you, you, you feel like could change or that somebody else has told you needs to change, 
but something that you pray about, something that you read this scripture and go back and read these two chapters again and write down something or even a short list that you believe Jesus is leading you to change in your life. And then do it. Just do it. Lord, help us to just do it. Help us to Lord, not just try to understand hist- historically, Lord, that this this letter of Revelation, it's uh it's it's got some 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 ancient wisdom to ancient churches but lord it has so much to say to us today as well and so we thank you that you have a a message for your church and we believe it is to love you to love god if we were to have seven letters it would be l-o-v-e-g-o-d love god and lord that's our desire so help us to grow in that love and not just as as those who receive it but as those who share it lord help us today to do that and lord as we contemplate this and and try to take this next step lord would you help us in our understanding not that you're you're angry or you're mad or you want to spank us but lord that there is probably for each and every one of us i know for myself there is something you're saying right now hey i i I love you but this has happened this is going on and and we need to turn we need to repent we need to turn back to god here Lord, thank you so much that you love us enough to extend that that offer of grace and repentance. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Awaken Natchitoches podcast. It's our hope that you have been encouraged by today's message. Find out more about Awaken Church at awakenla.church or find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at AwakenChurchLA.